Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2, but this is, this is where we really ended last week. This, it's a great time. I think that when we grasp, and if we do, and I don't know if we do, I don't know if we do, and I, don't, I know that the church as a whole has never grasped this. That's why there's not more impact. That's why not more happens. And that the whole idea of discipleship, the whole idea of making disciples, which is leading people to Christ and training them and equipping them. And we've been seeing over these weeks, let me just put this up real quickly. We've been seeing relationship to God, relationship to unbelievers, and relationship to believers. And then we've been looking at having a Paul, which is a mentor, and having a Barnabas, which is an encourager, and having a Timothy, which is you know making a, a disciple. And we talked about this whole plan. Having a Timothy is the key to making disciples. Now, here's the, here's the key. The ministry of discipleship is the key to the growth and success of the local body. You could have a thousand people come into the church, and the church is not successful if we're not leading people to Christ, training them and equipping them, and reproducing ourselves. When you think about our church, we have a purpose, a plan, and process. I'm going to touch on that very, very briefly next week. We always do that about once a semester, just to touch on that. But we have a vision. The vision of our church is that we would make disciples, which means we'd be leading people to Christ and training them and equipping them to reproduce themselves. That's, that's the vision. Now, a vision and a purpose are two different things. The vision is what we're trying to do. Purpose is the, why do we exist? We exist to make disciples. So our vision is to make disciples as we, train, as we lead people to Christ and then train them and equip them to reproduce themselves. So when we have Sunday morning and grow groups and Wednesday nights and Bible studies and all the different things we have, the only, the purpose of this whole thing is to train you so that as you go out, you can lead people to Christ, and then you can train these people. That's what it's all about. Now, I don't think the church as a whole has ever understood that. The church as a whole, especially for a long time, centuries, especially in the United States, has always believed that the goal of the church is evangelism, and that you're just supposed to tell people about Jesus. And that's half the Great Commission. Great Commission is evangelism and training. And most Christians never share their faith anyway. So as a whole, the church is not doing anything. That's part of the problem. And so what we want to do is we want to be a church that fulfills the Great Commission. That means each one of us in this room, not only do we share our faith and tell people about Jesus, but then those that know Christ, we are training them and equipping them. So that's the thing. And, and so we've been seeing these last uh, three or four weeks, on why, have a, uh, why have a Timothy? Why have somebody? Why do we look? What do we look for? What's the plan? This is where we ended last week. What's the plan and the charge? And if you remember, let me just remind you of something. Why have a Timothy? Because it's commanded by Jesus Christ. If you're not discipling someone, if you're not seeking to lead people to Christ and then train them and equip them, then you're not fulfilling the Great Commission and you're not doing what God Said, us, said for us to do. And so I'm, I'm talking to me, the same I'm talking to you. I'm not just saying, y'all aren't doing it. I'm saying I'm not doing it. Our goal is to make disciples, leading people to Christ and training them to equip them. That's the command. We also know that if we're obedient, we'll fulfill the Great Commission. We also realize that the reason you uh, have a Timothy is to continue the minute, the ministry. So we're commanded, and that's the message of ministry. We then said, what do we look for? And we talked about this, somebody that matches you. That's the kindred spirit. We also said, look for a faithful person, available person, a teachable person. That means you've got to reach out and love people and find the people that will meet with you and, and you can help them grow. The problem is most of us say things like, I don't think I'm ready or I don't, what do I know? You know a lot. You know a lot more than you think you know and you know enough to help people. There's so many, first of all, let me just say this. There are believers, and I'm, I'm saying it this way, there are believers in this community that do not even understand the salvation message. 
at some time in their life, they've trusted Jesus Christ. But if you said to them, what do you think your message is as a Christian? They don't know what it is. They're not clear on it. They, they, they think it's something like, well, maybe we tell people to uh, turn away from their sins and give their life to Jesus or do something. They're confused. And you have the grace message of salvation. So not only when you could meet with some people, you could actually help them understand the grace message of salvation. And then you could equip them and train them with the things that you know. So you look for faithful, available, teachable. This is where we were last week. The plan, what are we to do? Uh, Ezra said, study the word, apply the word, teach the word. That means every one of us in this room ought to be studying the Bible on our own. We ought to be living out the Bible on our own. And we ought to be teaching the word of God. And that we teach. And, and we say this over and over. So many of us say things like, I'm not... I'm not a teacher. I'm not, I, I, I'm not a teacher. Well, the truth is there are very few people with the gift of teaching. But every one of us are to take what we know and communicate that to us. When Paul said to Timothy, take the things you've been taught and entrust these to faithful people, he didn't say, because you have the gift of teaching, do this. Very few believers have the gift of teaching. We all are supposed to make disciples. So the idea is taking what you know and passing it on. And, and so, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, this is where we are, this is where I told you to turn. And if you remember, look what he says in verse 1, and we saw this last week, and I'm just going to touch on the, this, and I'll touch on the others, and then we're going to end, and don't let me forget to tell you what we're going to do next week, okay? So there's some fun stuff. But look at this, he says, you there for my son. Paul is writing to Timothy. This is the charge. And by the way, think about this. Paul, is, Paul knows he's going to die. Paul knows he's not got very long at all. He knows that they're going to put him to death. In fact, he's already told Timothy, get here if you can as quickly as possible because he doesn't know if he's going to make it. He wants Timothy to get there to be with him when they put him to death. That's what he really wants. And he doesn't know if Timothy's going to make it. So he writes these last words and he's saying, Timothy, listen, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We talked about this last time, be strong in the grace. And most people do not understand grace. They're even, they're probably, I don't mean this, but there may be people in our church. I, I don't think in this room, I think in our church there are people who don't understand grace. I think in this room, you've come enough to to, to, to been in the small groups and you're in grow groups and you've come to classes at night. You've done all these things. You understand grace, that it's salvation is a gift by faith alone and Christ alone plus nothing. It's not works. It's not any of that. There are people who come on Sunday morning and when they hear me say it's faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life, they think I'm saying the same thing as repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. They think I'm saying the same thing. They just think I'm saying in a different way because they don't understand grace. And that's why we got to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We got to help people understand what the salvation message is. With the death and resurrection of Christ, the response is to believe in Him for eternal life. We've got to help train and equip people. That's what we do. And so Paul says, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 2, the things which you've heard from me, Paul says, the things you've heard me teach. In the presence of many people, the things I've taught, you entrust these to faithful people, faithful men, as he says it here, who will be able to teach others also. So the plan is teach others so they can teach others. So let's look at it this way. Let's just say that I'm sort of your Paul. I'm trying to teach you truths from the Bible. What are you supposed to do? Learn them and do what? Turn around to somebody else. So when you write down, if I say something and it's right, let's say it's right and it is Scripture, let's say you say, okay, that's right, it says it in the Scripture, then you've been taught that. What are you supposed to do with that? Turn around and teach it to somebody else. That's the plan. Take what we've been taught 
Entrust it to faithful people. That's why we said faithful, available, and teachable. So you see the chain? Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, faithful men to others. And so we teach, we teach each other, and then we help others grow so they can do the same thing. Remember, our vision statement is to make disciples, leading people to Christ, and training them so they can reproduce themselves. They can lead other people to Christ and train them and equip them. We do not want to get to the end of our lives and stand before Jesus Christ, and he doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because a faithful servant is fulfilling the commission that he told us to do. We don't want to say, but I was really busy doing a lot of stuff. And he said, yeah, but you, you were busy doing a lot of stuff, but it wasn't the thing I asked you to do. Right? We got to do it, y'all. We, we got to. This is, this is it. Okay, so that's the plan. Now, there's one other thing that we're talking about when we're talking about having a Timothy, and that is, what's the charge? What do we want them to do as we reach out to people, as we try to lead people to Christ, as we train and equip them? What do we want them to do? And I think you're going to see two things this morning, okay? Two things. We want them to continue, and Paul says to, to Timothy, continue in the things you've learned. In other words, we want each of us to continue in the things that we've learned, the things that we've been taught, keep growing and all this. And then there's the second thing, and that is to be an example to others. And we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to go really quickly to this, but I want you to see, first of all, Paul says to continue in the things that you've learned. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 14, just flip over there. He's writing this to Timothy, so let's pretend he's writing it to us. He's writing it to each one of us. What does he tell us to do? Listen, have we all been taught? Have we all been taught? We've all been taught. We're saying, yeah, we've been taught, we've been taught. We gotta. Listen, I've been taught a lot of stuff. You know, I've studied them on, but I've also been taught over the years. So we've all been taught. So what does he tell us to do? Paul says, Timothy, you, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you learn them. Well, Paul, Timothy learned them from Paul. I learned them from Knapp and some other people and some uh, Prof. Hendricks of Dallas Seminary and things. And you've learned some of them from me and you've learned them from some other people as well. We're to continue in the things that we have been taught. Now, I love this passage because notice what he says. Picture yourself. Now, you may, uh, th this doesn't apply to me. When I say it doesn't apply to me, it doesn't fit me because he says, verse 15, and that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings. Now, for many of you in this room, you knew the Bible from childhood. I didn't. I never went to church at all. The first time I started even knowing anything about the Bible, well, I was 19 or 20 years old. Timothy learned them when he was a boy, and then Paul came in there. So Paul says to Timothy, continue the things that you've learned and you know, because you learned this from childhood. You've known the sacred writings. And he goes on down in verse 16 and says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. For what? Teaching, reproof, for correction, for training, so that the man of God, so that the believer may be adequate. That means mature, equipped for every good work. What is the good work we're supposed to be doing? What is it? Making disciples. That's the good work. Because everything else fits in that. That's the great commission. And so he says, Timothy, continue in the things that you've learned. Let me show you. What are the things? What are the things? But I'm going to put it back the other way. Continue in the things that you've learned. Three things that he says for us to continue. And I want you to notice them. Study the Word of God. If you look in your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word 
of truth. Now, what he says is, you've got to study the Bible. Now, I've read this so many times, and this was also the theme verse for Awana. We have Awana in churches, and it's a, it's a great theme. But I read it and missed some of it. Because it says, study to show yourself what? Approved. Approved to who? See, my first thought might be, show yourself approved. You study so you can say, I'm learning this. And people go, yeah, you're learning this. He didn't say study to show yourself approved to other people. Why do you study the Bible? To be approved to who? To God. Look what it says. Study to show yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. God says, I want you to study the Bible. So when you're studying the Bible, whose approval do you want? God's approval. So here's the question. Are you studying the Bible on your own? We know that when you come on Sunday morning, we're studying Daniel together. We know that in grow groups, we're studying different things. If you take one of the classes on Wednesday night, we know you're studying certain things. If you're in a Bible study, you're certain certain things, all of these kind of things. But are you digging the Word of God on your own? Because this is study to show yourself approved. Dig the Word. And if you said, I'm not sure I know how, then take the 2-2, take the 412, come see me. I'll meet with you in, in 30 minutes. I can quickly show you a method. We call it observation, interpretation, application. I can show you a method that you can get into the Scripture for yourself. And you can feel confident when you study the Bible. So what's the first thing? Study the Word. Here's the second thing. Live out the Word. Look at 2 Timothy 2.22. He says, now flee from youthful lust. And by the way, youthful lust doesn't mean it's just lust that youth have. It just means it's lust that you start when you're a youth and they go all the way through. He says, flee from these lusts. But what do you pursue? What does he say? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. He says, listen, you, you live out truth, God's word. Live, get, rid of the, get away from this other stuff that's pulling you down. Flee this, but pursue this. You know, the Bible's so good because people will say, the Bible's just a bunch of wrongs. The Bible is not a bunch of wrongs. Every, every time, look in the scripture, you challenge this. Look in the scripture. Whenever he gives a don't, he gives a do. What is the don't here? Flee youthful lust. What's the do? Pursue righteousness, peace, faith. I mean, so whenever you look at the Bible, just realize that he'll say, stop doing this, start doing this. It's over and over again. So we want to live it out. The third thing, the third thing is to proclaim the word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. I love this. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions. And by the way, once again, that's not just necessarily me to preach the word. The word is kerukma. It's, it's a word that kruso is actually the Greek word. It's the word to proclaim something, to announce something. What do we announce? What do we announce? Right? The Word. What does he say? Preach the what? The Word of God. It's not a people's opinions. It's not books. I'm not going to get up. I love Chuck Swindoll. I'm not going to get up in Chuck Swindoll's book and tell you what chapter 4 is all about. We're not to preach Chuck Swindoll's book. We're to preach the Word of God. When you talk to people, you're going to tell them the truths from the Bible. Now, the only way you can tell them truths from the Bible is that you've studied it. You study it, you apply it, you pass it on. Remember the big three? Study the Word, apply the Word, pass on the Word. That's Ezra 7.10. He's saying the same thing right here. Study the Word, live out the Word, which is application, and proclaim the Word. 
So you got it? That's what we got to do. We got to do it, y'all. I mean, we can sit here all day long and go, yeah, we know it, we know it. When are you going to do it? When are you going to study? When are you going to look for somebody to disciple? When are you going to look for somebody to share your faith? And we talk about this. We say, how, how do you share your faith? Well, who are the people you come in contact with? How many of those people you come in contact with do you know or not know whether they know Christ or not? You may say, well, I don't know about that person. I see them about every other day. I don't know whether they're a Christian or not. Well, then go right down their name, and every morning you say, Lord, give me an opportunity to tell that person about Jesus. And you may start talking to them and find that they already know Christ. That's wonderful. You may be talking to them, and they've thought all their lives you need to live a good life in order to get to God. And you get to be the one to show them the grace of God. And then who gets to train them? You do. And it may be that you talk to somebody about Christ, and they already know Christ. And then you start saying to them, like, hey, would you like to get together some? I've got some, uh, a study that we'd like to go through together. Would you like to do it with me? Who knows? Then you'd be training them. The last thing, as he says, is be an example. I'm gonna, this is in 1 Timothy 4.12. You don't have to turn there. But he says, let no one look down on your youth. In that passage, he's talking to Timothy, and he's calling Timothy a young man. And Timothy might have been close to 40. In that culture, a young man was 40 and under, at that culture. And so he says, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but you've got to be an example in what you say, your conduct, your love, your faith, and your purity. So here's what we want to do. We've got to be examples in this community. Because if you're going to lead people to Christ, and if you're going to train them and equip them, uh, they, they're going to look at us and see if we're any different. And if we're not any different from them, why would they listen to what you have to say? So how do we be example? Well, speech, what we say. You've got to watch our words. The, the Bible says, let no one else some word perceived from your mouth with only such a word good for the edification, for the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. That's Ephesians 4.29. So what's coming out of our mouths? Things that build people up or tear people down. What about conduct? That's how you live. See, it's one thing to say things. It's another thing to live it out. Be doers of the word and not... Hearers only. It's so easy to say, that's right, that's good stuff, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. We're going to do anything with it? What do we do? And then love, that's how we love others. Jesus said, the, the, the greatest thing of all is what? Love God, love others. They'll know you belong to me by your love for one another. That's what, that's what it's all about. Then he says faith. And the word faith there means trusting God. It has the idea of faithfulness. And, and you could say be an example of you trusting God because that, there are a lot of people that look at your life and they see you trusting God. And that's what this has. But it also has an idea of faithfulness because remember, whatever we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be doing it, right? And when we stand before Jesus Christ, he'll say, well done, good, and faithful. That's what you want to be faithful. Last but not least in this passage is the purity aspect. And uh, it's actually sexual purity. You can be pure in a lot of ways. You can be pure as far as your doctrine is concerned. You can be pure as far as other things. This passage is actually talking about sexual purity, the word, the way it's used. It says uh, in purity, the idea is in relationships. We live in a culture that everybody does anything they want and they think it's okay. We got to be different, don't we? We got to be, we got to be different. Got to be different than the world. So, when we think about this, here's my questions for you, and then I've got just a few things to do. One is, who are you discipling? Because this is what this section is about. And so we've been doing this now almost, almost four weeks, dealing with this one particular subject, which we hadn't done all the way through the study. We slowed down at this part to encourage every one of us in this room to think about who are you 
discipling. Don't let days and weeks go by and you say things like, gee, that's good, I should be discipling somebody. Gee, that's right, I should be discipling somebody. Start looking for someone. Look for someone to share your faith with. Look for someone to get with and to take the things you're being taught. What if you took some of the things you've learned in Daniel? Now you might say, Daniel 7, ooh, it's hard. What? It's not hard. It's the end time events, and you already know that. you got the little card out there that puts the whole end time events together, and then the book of Daniel actually tells you, and we're going to talk about it again this morning. What if you sit down with somebody and you said, you want me to show you how the end times and everything fits together. And I can't answer every question because I don't know, but I'll show you the big overview of end times. That'd be fun to teach, wouldn't it, to somebody? So applications, here's what I want you to think about. Let's prepare ourselves to make disciples. That's the plan. If you haven't been through the 412, if you hadn't been through the 2-2, if you hadn't been through some of the Bible studies, if you hadn't been through those things, if you don't know how to study the Bible yourself, get yourself ready so you can make disciples. Then look for a kindred spirit. Look for somebody that you pray for them. You pray that God will bring somebody in your life. It's somebody not only that you might lead to Christ, but somebody that you get to, to know and to train and equip them. And then let's take the time to build another lives. The only reason you're here Think about it. Why are you here? You're here to do your job. When, I mean, listen, nothing wrong with jobs. I mean, I, every job I've ever had, I loved. I loved it. I loved it. The first job I actually ever really had was Coach Tyler, when I was in high school, came to me and said, would you run the off-season program for the football team during the summer? And that means we open it up at 6 in the morning and close it at 8 at night. We want you to get here and be there. And as athletes come anytime during the day, you'll, you'll, you, they have to run so many things. You get to time them. You get to do it. And then, would you be here to do it? I, it was the greatest thing I ever done. I got paid $10 a day to work 12 hours. I got less than a dollar an hour. I thought it was a lot of money. I thought, I'm making money. And it was so fun because what was I getting to do? The one thing I ever wanted to be was a coach. And here I was at... Pick it up, son. Let's go. Come on. You know, here I am, high school guy. And I loved it. And then the next job I had, I was a teacher and a coach. And the next job I had, I was a coach again. And then the next job I've had is to get to be a pastor. I've loved everything I've ever done. But guess what? Jobs are jobs. Why are we on this earth? To do a job? No. To make disciples. To be representatives of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. It doesn't matter what job you do, as long as it's not a bad job, a legal job, a sinful job. You know, just do it for the Lord. But why are you here? Think about it. So take the time. We're here to, to impact lives for Jesus Christ. And then uh, let's let let's 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 charge believers. Let's do, let's teach each other, and let's let's charge that we study and live it out and proclaim the word of God. Now we're through. So here's what I want to do. Okay, I want to do this real quickly. I want to remind you of that what we've seen over these weeks, that the relationship to God, relationship to unbelievers, relationship to believers, and relationship to God, you want to know Him, you want to grow like Him. I mean, that's the plan, to know Him, to grow like Him, and to serve. The only way you're going to know Him is to spend time with Him. That's prayer, Bible study. Prayer is you talking to God, Bible study is He's talking to you. You want to know Him. Then, in relationship to unbelievers, it's your words and your works and your testimony by what you say, and how you live and the testimony of your life is going to have an impact on the unbelievers. 
And then last but not least is relationship to fellow believers. And we said you got to have a Paul, somebody to teach you. you got to have a Barnabas, somebody to encourage you. And you got to have a Timothy, someone that you can disciple. And so that, this is what this study's been over the whole semester. And I want you to think about it and think about uh, living for Jesus Christ, knowing him, touching lives for Christ, having a Paul, having a Barnabas, and having a Timothy. That's what I want you to do. Now, before we stop, and time is actually up, Here's what I want to do next week. I'm going to do something different. So I want you to, you got to help me, okay? The first part of the lesson, I'm going to quickly remind us of our purpose, plan, and process. And the reason I'm going to do it fast is because everyone in here knows what our purpose is. What is it? To do what? Make disciples. And then we have a plan, which is equip believers to do, and then we have a process. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because we, every semester, at, usually at the start of the semester, we go through our purpose, plan, and process, and that's a whole lesson. But next week, I'm going to do something different. We're going to just touch on that at the start, and then we're going to do any Bible question you want to talk about. So if you would, think about what Bible question or what something you would like to just say, well, what about this? Or I saw this over in Daniel 9, or I saw this. What, how does this fit? And it may be something I go, I don't know. I'll have to go study that one come back and get with you another time. Some of them I may know. Uh, if you want to give me a heads up, that'd be fine. <laughs> if you want to say, hey, I'm going to ask you this one. Nobody knows the answer to this one. You know, I, in fact, I got a, uh, I, I got a, our YouTube deal. People sometimes say things on YouTube. And so some, one, somebody sent one to me and I hadn't answered them yet. But the question was this, dear Mr. Bond, thanks so much for this. But here's a question that nobody can answer. Okay. How do we know Satan didn't inspire the, in other words, basically saying, how do we know when we read this that some of this isn't from Satan? That's what he's saying. And he'd be fooling us. Well, first of all, what does 2 Timothy 3.16 say? All scripture is inspired by God. So you can't answer that question. It's not a question that nobody can know the answer to. You can know that this Bible, every bit of it is inspired by God, none by Satan. Now, Satan may say something in the Bible. God has recorded it when Satan says, if you eat that fruit, you really won't die. That's a lie. God recorded that, but Satan didn't inspire that. God inspired that. So sometimes there are questions that, uh, some of them are hard. Some of them we don't have answers to. So if you would, between now and next week, think about any questions that you want to ask and, uh, and, and be sure, be ready because I don't want to go, okay, questions. And nobody does anything, and then we go, well, that'll be fun. Thanks for coming, but you know, so, so if you can, come up with some questions, and if you do want to, you can call me ahead of time and say, here's the question I'm going to ask if you want to be looking it up, just in case you don't know it.